You're tuned into the COVID-19 Community Report here on KDRT-LP 95.7 FM in Davis, California. I'm Autumn Labbe Renault. Today is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021, and we're sharing local news and resources focusing on what's impacting Davis and nearby cities in Yolo County during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm glad to be back live in the KDRT studio after a couple of months of recording interviews from home using Zoom. So everyone has their story about what they were doing one year ago at the start of the pandemic. On March 17th, 2020, I walked into this radio booth and recorded the first episode of this show. 56 episodes later and we're still at it. And I'm finding there are still conversations to be had and stories to be told. I want to say thanks to all who have supported the show and participated in it over the last year. My guests today are Lisa Yep Salinas and Dottie Pritchard. Lisa and I will talk about the rise of anti-Asian and Pacific Island racism during the pandemic. Dottie and I will discuss the longtime Yolo County Women's History Month luncheon, usually held this time of year. And we'll get to those interviews in just a couple of minutes. Yolo County remains in the red or widespread tier in the state's blueprint. This week, the state made changes to its vaccination tiers, moving certain classes of individuals deemed at highest risk ahead of what had been planned as the next tier, 1C. Following the state's guidance, Yolo County began expanding its COVID-19 vaccinations yesterday to include individuals with certain severe health conditions or disabilities, those living or working in high-risk congregant residential settings, and public transit workers, including airport workers for commercial airlines. In addition, all janitorial staff, couriers of vaccines and emergency supplies, utility workers who respond to emergencies, massage therapists, social workers, activated disaster service workers, and library staff working on site are eligible for a vaccine under the state's updated guidelines. So that is a huge expansion of who's eligible. Individuals aged 16 to 64 will be considered eligible for a vaccination if they have one of a large number of severe health conditions, including a severe or high-risk developmental disability. They can qualify through self-attestation at county vaccine sites, and a full list of the conditions may be found at yolocounty.org slash coronavirus vaccine. And for those with uh, severe conditions or disabilities who are homebound, they can get the vaccine at home by calling 211-YOLO or toll-free at 855-866-1783. One note is that while the list of those who qualify for the vaccine has greatly increased, the supplies have not. Yellow County Public Health estimates we won't see an appreciable increase in the vaccine supply until at least April. All right, I think our first call is going to come in. So I think we're just going to go to that, and I may come back and do some of this uh, news a little bit later. All right, racism. Racism against those of Asian and Pacific Island or API heritage is certainly nothing new. The city of Davis annually awards the Tong Hai Huin Awards in memory of a young man who was stabbed in Davis in 1983. And many of us are painfully aware of the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II and of the underlying bigotry and xenophobia stretching back to the use of Chinese labors during the westward expansion. During the COVID-19 pandemic, however, there's been a disturbing uptick in anti-API racism with specific incidents locally. 
Here to tell us more is Lisa Yep Salinas. Lisa's been a Yolo County resident for over 25 years, raised her children, coached soccer, volunteered for, oh, many things. She's known to many in Yolo County. During the pandemic, she's been working to educate the community about the rise of anti-Asian and Pacific Island racism and xenophobia. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me. Welcome. Thank you so much. Good to hear your voice. So I know this issue has affected you personally. And at the start of the pandemic, I remember reading a story you told about an incident at a pool in Woodland. Would you recount that story for us? Yes. Uh, before COVID-19, I really did not have any forms of anti-Asian racism here in Yolo County. And I've been a resident for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. I love Yolo County, love all the cities, love all the people. Um, but when COVID-19 hit, I've been suffering six racist attacks, hmm. just all within a year. Um, and the first one, as you mentioned, was at my gym. I love my gym. I enjoy gym in Woodland, love the indoor pool. Um, when we were able to go to the gym, yeah. and there were two women, um, one Latina, one white, um, I knew them casually from water aerobic classes, but I got jumped in the pool and was in the lane next to them. And then they told me that I couldn't be in the pool because I was causing COVID-19 and because I was Chinese um, and they didn't want to get sick. So then they tried to gang up and take me out of the pool. Hmm. Um, and in my mind, that flashed back, back to... American days when it was the segregation and blacks weren't allowed to be in public pools. Right. And if you remember Mr. Rogers, who is so famous, he did a groundbreaking show. And on his show, he shared a soak of water with, I think it was Mr. McFeely, mm-hmm. maybe I have the name wrong, mm-hmm. that was the one who uh, carried, was the postal delivery. And they both just soaked their feet in water just to give him a rest, but also... It was a symbolic message that it's okay to share water. Yeah, yeah. And everyone has rights. And so I told the woman, you know, hey, we're all here to work out. We're going through COVID-19. No, my skin color doesn't mean I'm carrying a disease. The color of money is green. We both pay for our membership. I'm just here to work out. Stop being mean girls. Stop being bullies. Stop being racist. And they had a real fit. And so... Thanks be to God, there were some great white men in the pool, and I asked them to um, intervene because we just want to have a peaceful workout mm-hmm. and not let the mean girls rule the day. Yeah. And so it was great. Those guys were wonderful. They talked to the women. They called them down. They calmed them down. I probably had the best water workout ever. <laughs> a lot of splashing. <laughs> how did the gym respond than I ever did <laughs> yeah Lisa how did the gym respond I was so grateful for that gym because I talked to the managers and it's a very uh, mixed gym in terms of they're all different races there um and the manager was great I explained to him what was going on um and I speak Spanish so I also brought in some examples in Spanish mm-hmm. um, and then also the thing that really hit me was at that pool there is the Asian American doctor and that Asian American doctor does a night shift at, at the Wooden Memorial Hospital mm-hmm. and so she works a full night shift 
and then she would come into the gym to work out and swim. So that was, that was the way that she decompressed from working through COVID-19. Sure. So I really want to make sure that her and other people that are um, healthcare providers, that they don't have to deal with this harassment on their time off yeah. when they're battling for us. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that the management took it seriously and they talked to uh, the ladies and they're saying, hey, you know, everyone is just coming to work out. This is cool. It's not up to you to decide who can come and who can't. Mm, that's a good response. Yeah, I really appreciate it. But I, little did I know that that was just going to be <laughs> the beginning because there were five other racist attacks. So, yeah. I mean, if you can just imagine, you have to go buy groceries for your family, right? Mm-hmm, sure. That was my, my duty to buy groceries for the family. Um, and you go to Costco, right? Mm-hmm. And you buy your things at Costco, and um, I think I was attacked at Costco at least three times, and some of them were physical assaults. Every time they said a racial slur, so it was pretty apparent what was going on, and then they blamed me for COVID-19. And sometimes the the swearing was going on in English and sometimes in Spanish, so they thought I didn't understand what they were saying. Hmm. But I did, so... um, my my recommendation to people for self-defense is know as many languages as you can because <laughs> you never know. It can't, you it can't hurt. You can't hurt. that right? out very harshly. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, we had a, a former president who really empowered a lot of people by uh, dismissing the pandemic at first, calling it the Chinese flu, you know, all kinds of insults. I know that in addition to your own experiences, and first I want to say I'm six incidents in one year. I'm so sorry that, you know, you've had that experience, but you've also been cataloging incidents from around the state. You've shared a couple of them on your Facebook page that were, well, they were really hard to read, but I think it's important to talk about them briefly. Would you share a few more incidents? Sure, I would be happy to, but I would really like to encourage people to be as physically fit as possible because I also was physically assaulted by racists, Mm. and so um, I had to use a grocery cart as a shield, I kid you not, a couple of times, and then um, the racists got really aggressive, so I had to use my grocery cart as a charging lance, like, you know, in the uh, medieval days when... People wow. would have to ride a horse and have a lance, right, when they go into combat. Yeah, I had to use a grocery cart like that and then pull it back just before I hit them, just to make them stop. Mm. Um, and no one was around me, so there wasn't, like, grocery staff that could come and help me. Um, so please, just everyone be as physically fit as possible because you don't know when these things will happen. Um, and even in the parking lot, too. Wow. So, but that leads to the point that you brought up, which it's so horrible. We had a Thai grandfather die in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. He was yeah. just going for his walk around his house, his exercise, and someone came from behind and said stuff. I won't repeat it on the radio because it's just yeah. really horrible. And, and he ended up getting up because of the fall and end up being hospitalized and ended up dying. So his family didn't get to see him again. Mm. And he was a very beloved grandfather in the neighborhood. And then just recently, just a few days ago, 
same thing happened up in Oakland. There was a, a father in his 70s that was going for his morning walk, just like people do in Davis, mm-hmm. and especially with COVID-19. And he lived in a good neighborhood, and someone, you know, unfortunately racial slur knocked him down, attacked him, and he never left the hospital, and he just passed away. But most of the victims are women. Women are really picked on quite a bit. Um, there was a Filipina grandma on the public transportation in San Diego on the trolley, and somebody just took her out and beat her up. And thank God for all the people that helped her because she was blacked out. And they helped her go to the hospital. They helped call the police. So I really encourage people that if they see this stuff to enter to help the victims, sometimes just saying things verbally mm-hmm. enough to stop them. Because if they see that other people are saying, hey, knock it off, or record things on your cell phone, it makes a big difference. Um, my cousin in Sacramento, um, she was in the store, and she saw some racist attacks. And she and the other customers were shouting out, and then luckily the attack stopped. So there, there's what, things that we can do, we the people, just mm-hmm. say, hey, no, you know, not here. This is this is our land. We don't do violent or mean things to each yeah. other. We have to protect each yeah. other. Yeah, and, and the truth is sometimes being a bystander means that you do need to step up. You do need to take res- take responsibility or take action. So sad stories. Um, Gosh, such sad stories. My, my own sister, who is uh, a family practitioner, um, and she sees about 200 patients a week. And most of the patients she sees are, have to do with COVID-19. And mm-hmm. she was out for just, you know, a wonderful bike ride because we love to ride our bikes, especially in the pandemic. It's a chance for us to escape and get some exercise and, you know, get a mental break. And a car of uh, racists tried to run her over, and they were blaming her for COVID and swearing at her. Luckily, she was able to maneuver her bike so she didn't get hit. But, I mean, these things are happening, and the more that we can educate and help people and encourage people to not talk like that, then it begins to retrain our minds. I mean, we have a fantastic Davis firefighter um, who's Chinese-American. She's fantastic, and I don't want her to be worried about her children when she's right. out there saving our lives or for her to have to worry about what's going to happen to her when she goes to the grocery store. I mean, it's, yeah. we got to stand together and stand strong for, for everyone. Yeah. Well, a number of local cities and school districts have passed um, anti-API racism resolutions. And in fact, there's a couple of things happening in Davis tonight. I have a feeling you might have had something to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) So the the Davis City Council has on its consent calendar a resolution tonight condemning violence against people of Asian and Pacific Island heritage. And then in support of this resolution, local nonprofit Davis Phoenix Coalition is holding a masked and socially distant vigil to bring signs of support and stand in front of the city offices facing Russell Boulevard. That takes place from 7 to 8, um, which is the, the time period in which the resolution will be voted on. And uh, Davis Phoenix Coalition also asked people if they can't, you know, if they don't want to come down to that, they chalk their driveway and light a candle at 7 tonight. So 
We have just a few minutes left, Lisa, but what do these resolutions, what does it mean to have our city do this? I am so lucky that we have such an incredible city like Davis and all the cities in uh, Yellow County and our County Board of Supervisors that have shown, shown support and to try to help. Because my story, as I shared it, only to help protect people, there are so many more other stories out there. And yeah. the stories of the children are so heartbreaking. So I really just applaud Davis as well as Woodland and West Sacramento our Board of Supervisors, uh, Board of Education, Yuba Community College District, all of our school districts in Davison, West Sacramento, and Woodland. They've all been incredible and are public elected officials. So everyone register to vote and vote because we've picked some great winners. Yellow County is a wonderful community. And I really just appreciate all the support out there because I'm just one voice, but I've heard at least 100 voices of people that have been traumatized yeah. and are too afraid to speak up because they've been threatened if they speak up. So thank you so much for this platform. And just I hope everyone just really we can just heal our land and have love for each other and just make this incredible place that Davis is and, and throughout Yellow County. Lisa, you're doing uh, difficult work in challenging times, and it's not always easy to share your own personal story. So I thank you for that. I thank you for the work you're doing, and uh, thanks for making some time to talk about it with us here today on KDIRT. Well, thank you so much for all you do. Everyone, have a great day, and I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Lisa. We're going to take just a moment for music, and we're going to be back with our second interview.
All right, March is Women's History Month, and my next guest is Dottie Pritchard. In her day job, she's the right hand to Yellow County Supervisor Gary Sandy, but another role she's held for many years is as the chair of the annual Yellow County's Women's History Luncheon. The event is an important touchstone and celebration each year for many of us to celebrate where we've been and think about the work yet to be done. Thanks so much for joining me, Dottie. Good, good afternoon, Autumn. How are you? <laughs> Doing fine. Nice to hear your voice. So, hey, usually this time of the year, we'd be gathering with about 500 of our closest allies at the Woodland Community <laughs> and Senior Center for the fabulous luncheon honoring local sheroes, as we like to say. Prior yeah. to the pandemic, you know, I think I'd only missed one of these in the past decade. So first, I want to say thank you for all your work because you do a lot. So thank oh. you. It's my committee. It's yeah. not me. Yeah, I know. But you, you, you lead the charge. Thank so you. tell us a bit about the impact of the pandemic on the event this year. What was planned, and how have you pivoted? Well, everything was ready to go. Uh, the, the luncheon was set for last year, March 12th. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesday, March 10th, the Yellow County Board of Supervisors um, started their meeting basically by saying we're coming into some real rough time and it's going to be in everybody's interest if we, you know, stay home for, you know, at that time, remember, it was only two weeks, right? right? And um, some of the supervisors came to me and they said, you're going to cancel the luncheon, aren't you? And I looked <laughs> at them and I'm like, I go, they, they ordered the food this morning. We, what are you kidding? And they just, and I, they said, well, Dottie, this one's, this one's on you. Yeah. And in the best interest, so um, I just decided we, we've got to pull it. So it was very hard because we have a lot more people involved than just us. I sure. Mean, we had, you know, 300 people coming to lunch, and the, the, the caterer had already, you know, Tammy Anderson, our wonderful caterer, had already done everything. And so we really felt it was the best thing to do. And it was hard on a lot of people. But I do want to say this, that, that, that the people that – we're going to attend, and all of the sponsors were so generous. We uh, did send out a notice to everyone and mm -hmm. said that if they wanted a refund, they could have it. But the majority of the people said, no, no, go ahead and, and, and keep the funds. And so luckily we were able to still help some, some our libraries, and actually we did um, also Empower YOLO and Meals on Wheels we were able to. So we were successful in being able to support uh, partners in the community, mm -hmm. and I think most people understood it. It's just that, like a lot of people, it was it was a very hard thing to do, um, but it, it wasn't everybody's interest. Certainly. So. Yeah, one of my favorite aspects of the luncheon, as you mentioned, is how it benefits community partners and especially our local libraries by providing, literally providing women's history text and, and, and books. And um, those are collections that, you know, e even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you could look in libraries and it'd be a pretty small collection of books. And thankfully, it's it's growing. I right. Yeah, I appreciate the, the role the luncheon has uh, played in that. All right. So we can't do it this year either. And I'm, I'm going to cautiously, optimistically ask if there are hopes and plans for next year. So as a committee, we have gotten together and we have discussed it. Um, we knew that this year wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. We are going to keep our fingers crossed. It will be actually, I think, our 35th anniversary uh, on uh, next year. And so we're going to go ahead and, and start planning. 
but we're, we're going to have to do it cautiously. Yeah. And usually our planning starts because to get a speaker, we have to do it well in advance. So by the end of the summer, we're going to know one way or the other how much we can go full speed ahead. And I think by then most people will be vaccinated and we'll have a better idea towards the end of the summer. But we're planning for 2022. All right. Well, I'm going to look forward to that. In the meantime, if people want to get on your mailing list um, or get more information, what should they do? The best thing to do is just go to our website. So let me give that to you. It's www.ycwhm.org. Ycwhm.org. All the information on how to sign up uh, to be on our list or if you need to contact me. Um, it's all on the website. Great. All right, Dottie, thanks so much for squeezing a few minutes out of your day to talk about this. And uh, if I don't see you before, I will see you at next year's luncheon. <laughs> Thank you so much and to all your listeners. All right. Appreciate it. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Dottie Pritchard, chair of the Yolo County Women's History Month luncheon. Really missing that event this year. But, but good news that, you know, we may come back to it sooner or later. I think I have just a couple of minutes left, so I'm just going to give remind people about Healthy Davis Together and our testing options here in town, which have expanded to four locations. Uh, We've got Marguerite Montgomery Elementary in South Davis, the Mondavi Center at UC Davis, the Davis Senior Center, and the Veterans Memorial Center, healthydavistogether.org for more info. they have brought Communicare clinics into the picture, and so there's, there's a lot of good collaboration going on there about making sure people uh, get tested. This is, again, this is saliva-based testing that's free to anyone who lives or works in Davis, and I, I know with Communicare they're expanding to uh, other, other areas of the county, too. All right, you have been listening to the COVID-19 Community Report at the one-year mark here. I'm not sure it's a celebration, but I've been happy to be of service and do this show. I'm Autumn Labbe-Renault. I'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in.